Yeah, hey. Hey, how's it going? It's all good, man. How you been, bro? Can't complain. Can't complain. Everything's awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on, let me take a sip of uh, tea real quick. All right, let me fucking do this introduction. Hold on. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> okay. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. Almost wrapping up uh, volume two. We probably have um, maybe two or three more episodes left for the rest of the year. I don't know. I haven't quite decided yet. But on today's episode, I'm joined by returning guest Joe Lussick. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, happy to be here. What's the weather like up there in D.C., huh? It is It is cold, it is dreary, and I'm not happy about it um, at all, really. Is it the dreary or the cold? You know, it's both. It was, like, unseasonably warm until, like, a week ago, and then yeah. winter just kind of came out of nowhere, and I just wasn't prepared for it emotionally, you know? It's about, I think it's around 60 down here. So we, we, we're actually, it looks like we're actually going to have a winter this year. I don't know. Fingers crossed. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Is, are you, do you want a winter? You're, I, like, you, you're, you're happy about that? I love cold weather. I look forward to 50 and 60. I look forward to 50 and 60 degree weather all year round. That's weird. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but uh, I do love it. I love cold weather. It goes back to that age-old thing of, like, if it's too cold, you can put on clothes. You can, you know, you can, like, get warm. I feel like it's easier to get warm than it is to cool down. Like That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's, I agree. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah you, there's yeah. only so many clothes you can take off before you're, like, indecent, right? Right. <laughs> but I, exactly. I also exactly. understand, like, I've never been through, like, a northern United States winter. So I don't right. – I don't – I may be talking shit because I've never been snowed in and, like, stuck and, like, not been able to go out and live my life, so. No, you do make a good point about clothes because, like, when it's when it's summer in D.C. and it's, like, pushing 90 outside and I have to go to work in a suit, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. That's, you know, you can't. it's not, like, socially acceptable to wear, like, shorts with a suit. Uh, it should be, but it's not. Yeah, what? It's bullshit that we can't wear shorts. I agree. <sighs> I agree. We should, we should, we should start to, uh start a social movement on that uh a couple questions before we get started uh <laughs> sure are you uh who do you have tonight versus notre dame versus miami what do you think um i want miami to win of course you do obviously um, i don't like notre dame very much i i think miami's gonna pull it out i don't you know i kind of think notre dame is i know this is hypocritical coming from a michigan fan but you know chronically overrated and tends to crumble once they face good teams so that's where i'm at i'm, I'm rooting for miami i think they'll pull it out why you gotta piss me off <laughs> right off the start like that bro like fuck you I mean, man you want me to lie to you <laughs> no i expected that mo- i expected that answer from you but um yeah. i i hope we win tonight uh, I was gonna ask, well, how's Michigan doing? I I don't even recall. Wait, has Harbaugh won that championship yet? I don't know. Like I haven't been following. Like I heard all this talk that he was gonna bring them a championship, and so far I don't think anything has happened. Last I checked. Give it, give it time. Let it cook. Oh Let yeah, cook. that's. <laughs> he's been saying that for the past two or three years. Okay, we'll we'll get on with it. Obviously, as my political correspondent. Sure. <laughs> we are. It's been a year since our president was elected. He's been in office. It is day 295, and here's here's where I'm at. 
before we even get into the nitty gritty, we're recording this on the weekend before this episode will be released. I'm nervous. In between now and Wednesday morning, something is going to happen, and <laughs> this podcast, this episode will be out of date. That is the world we live in now. Yeah. How? Yeah, no, I mean, this, this is a guy who's capable of kind of saying something, uh, you know, absurd and, and, and kind of, un, you know, destabilizing at any moment. And, you know, so he, I mean, he had, he's, he's traveling in Asia right now, nice. so he's over in Japan and South Korea and China, and everyone knows that's obviously an incredibly stable area of the world where, uh, you know, nothing could possibly ever go wrong. So, you know, I, I've just been spending the last few days crossing my fingers that he doesn't get us into a nuclear war by accident. Just, you know chilling in, in south korea before i ask my next question full disclosure you you do have to you know but you are a democrat right you are uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm i'm a democrat who works in professional politics yes so there is some inherent bias that said definitely, definitely. how do you feel this year and uh, uh, keep it under an hour we have many things to talk about all right let's keep that in mind <laughs> sure how do you think he's been is it as bad as you expected? Is it worse or is it not as bad? What do you think? It is... It's, it's a hard question to answer. It's definitely at least as bad as I expected. I would agree. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's worse than I expected. And the reason is, I think there was this kind of... After the, 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 the kind of shock of Trump winning um, kind of passed, I think there was this kind of sense among a lot of Democrats and a lot of Republicans who probably you know, didn't vote for him, that, oh, you know, he kind of, well, during the, during the campaign, he kind of played a character, and, you know, he was, he was kind of saying things that are probably not what he actually believes in order to win votes, and he won't be that crazy when he's president, he'll, you know, tone it down. That's the, uh, the famous pivot that was rumored to happen, right? Right, exactly. When, like, when he was accused of not being presidential, and he said, "Oh, he'll be the most presidential president, except maybe Lincoln," is, I believe, what he said. Jesus. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that hasn't happened. He's been incredibly um, not, you know, <laughs> respectful of of the norms that have kind of governed the way presidents behave and act and talk, and. You know, I, I guess there's an argument to be made that, you know, a lot of the old ways weren't working and it's better for a president to kind of try to tear some of those norms down if they don't work. But a lot of these kind of traditions are there for a reason. And it's because when you're the president of the most powerful country in the world with a massive military and a massive economy, your words matter and markets move and billions of dollars are instantly made or lost based on what you say and other countries take what you say and, and you know plan accordingly and um, he, he has just not uh, in, in my view obviously again I'm not going to pretend to be nonpartisan he, he, he has not behaved in a way that is any uh, you know that is responsible and that is you know <laughs> in any way consistent with sanity and reality and and kind of how this country should be headed and and I'll, I'll say one more thing about this and then we can yeah i know you don't want me to talk for an hour about this but i think that there's there's kind of two levels of this and there's kind of what is the crazy stuff that trump does because he's trump the character kind of like a character or is that a person are you saying which in which respect in the way that in the way that he is 
very different from previous Republican presidents, yes. right? Like, he, he's a totally different kind of politician. And, you know, he does and says crazy stuff that no other president has done or said before. And because of that, we focus on that. And, oh, like, Trump called Kim Jong-un little rocket man. That's, you know, and the media covers that because it's kind of crazy and it's new and different. And that's, that's all important to focus on. I think that's 95% of what people do focus on when they say, when they talk about what's what they don't like about Trump. But I, in my view, a pro, another problem is that there's this there's a whole other level of stuff that, um, that, that the Trump administration has been doing, but it's kind of much more in line with normally what Republican presidents do. And as kind of a Democrat and a liberal, that some of that is just as horrifying to me, but it doesn't garner the same headlines and the same attention because it, it's it's not that new it's kind of more normal for republicans for example you know the the epa the environmental protection agency uh since trump came into office has been kind of systematically eviscerating environmental regulations and kind of all the progress that the obama administration made on on combating climate change they have just torn apart and for me that's just as bad as trump calling the dictator of north korea a funny name it's not going to get the same attention because it's normal for Republicans, you know what I mean? And so I think there are kind of two sides of this that have to be focused on. Well, I didn't want to – please don't feel, like, constricted to express yourself on this pod. We are a free speech pod. <laughs> uh, sure, sure. The only thing you're not allowed to do is throw relatives under the bus, as I've come to find out. <laughs> yeah. But there's – but I did want to interject with one thing. You were talking about, as president, his words matter, right? Yeah. And – it, it, I, I don't disagree with you on that, but on a, I guess an idealistic level, you were talking very pragmatically and macro level. He's the president. Like, look, okay, he's a role model. Like, he is the sure. face of the yeah. company, uh, of the country. Like, right, right, right. Uh, or, or, let, let's take it out of the country. If this man was a CEO of a major corporation, a major, let's say he was the CEO of Microsoft, Apple, Walmart, some shit like that, and he was as flagrant and like, if he was, if he conducted himself, their stock would be, would be, would take a hit, and the board of directors would get him the fuck out of here. Yeah, if 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 Donald Trump were CEO of a publicly traded corporation, he would have been fired by his board of directors. You know, I mean, he's just his lack of regard for. Any kind of civility and norms just would be disqualifying. And, and, and any, I think that's yeah. another another myth about him, right? Is, oh, he was this great businessman. Actually, he really wasn't. If you look at what he did with, with his company, he kind of had a structure that was uniquely good for him, which is that it was it's not a publicly traded company. It didn't sell stock. It was totally controlled just by him. And it was basically just built around the brand of his name. Yeah, right? licensing. There wasn't much business strategy beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> it's... As president, some people might not buy into this. I, I, I disagree. You are – you set the tone. He's the leader. Like he is the leader. Like I, I – and look, okay, any – any like I've said in the past, any make America great again motherfuckers on here, you know, like anyone who is right-leaning or Trump supporter, if you're listening to this, thank you for listening. I don't know how you've made it this long. But I appreciate your listen, listener, listenership. Is that a word? Okay. Yes. Anyway, I appreciate you being part of the audience. But I'm sorry. This has been building up. I've been trying to refrain from like bashing this man openly on the pod because I didn't want it to all consume. 
the pod, and I'm just like, I don't. That's that's boring. I don't want to talk about this. But I did bring Joe on this because you are, as even though you are partisan, like you say, I don't think you're an extremist, and I don't think you're a fanboy or whatever you people no, are called. I don't, I, I don't think I am either. So you can articulate, and you're intelligent enough to objectively critique, in my in my opinion. But you know, I don't want this to be an echo chamber, and I don't want people to be turned off that we're some lefties complaining about. Uh, the president it's like no it's it's not even that's the other thing you can't talk about this man and you can't criticize this man without the man himself or his supporters claiming you're attacking him because you're a liberal or you're attacking him because you're a leftist it's like what the fuck is did did this man do or or, or even even worse i would say it's even worse than that it's that you can't critique him without being accused of just lying right it's fake news yeah it's not even like it's not even like, oh, you critiqued me. Well, it's because you're biased. It's you critiqued me. Oh, you're fake. You're lying. You're wrong. You're making you're up sources. Yeah, and it's right. right. And that's <sighs> even more dangerous, I think. Mr. President, what did you do the entire time Obama was president? Like that's right. how you made. Right. Right. That's right. how you right. re. Like you had the Apprentice in the mid two thousands. That was kind of falling off, but you didn't start blowing up again until Obama was in office because you took the opportunity to rag on this man and, you know, be a racist about this man and accuse him of not being born in this country and make up shit on your own. And now we're, people are coming with you with legitimate criticisms and you're he's, – he's a sociopath. He's a con artist and he's a sociopath. Well, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I, I, I think it's – it's incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, previous presidents, no president has ever, like, to my knowledge, been been happy about criticism. But, you yeah. know, they usually at least handle it responsibly and in, like, an, an, an adult way. And they've been willing to debate. And, and for Trump, there is no debate. It's just, oh, what you're saying is fake news. Um, e- even if it's something as factual as you lost the popular vote. Yeah. Oh, it's fake news because three million people voted illegally. Well, how do you know that? Oh, I, I saw it somewhere. Yeah, that got swept on the rug pretty rug pretty quickly. Um, right. Along Obama wiretapped me. Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. And uh, um, the tax returns that we're still waiting on. Right. Right. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's going to be interesting because I think at some point he's probably going to get subpoenaed to. Yeah. To, um, release can, those. It's, 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 it's kind of inevitable. I, I, I think you're right, and I, I want to go back to the the point you made about him being a role model. And that's kind of. I mean, you could say what you want about Barack Obama. I didn't think he was a perfect president. I. Like him, I voted for him twice, yeah. but you could say what you want about George Bush. I, I was not at all a fan of George Bush, but uh, I didn't think I, I wouldn't be embarrassed to have my kid watch a speech given by Bush. Right. Yes. I wouldn't be embarrassed to point to George Bush and say, that's the president of the United States. Right. Like George Bush conducted himself civilly with 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 grace and with poise and with, uh, you know, yeah. He, he, he didn't. He wasn't embarrassing. I disagreed with almost everything that came out of his mouth, but I wouldn't be embarrassed to say, "Hey, that's the president of my country." With, with Trump, but you are, and you know, I, I think that it's. I don't have kids, but if I did, I, I don't know how you handle that as like a parent. That that guy is the president of our great country. Yeah, he's a you know rambling, you know bloviating narcissistic lying sociopath but yeah he's the president of our great country so you know be like him kids i don't, I don't know how you handle that as a, as a parent luckily i don't have to deal with that but. to quote our president some of his campaign promises the overall theme was the winning 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 so far and this is my this is my tinfoil conspiracy theory the republicans only support this man because he's subterfuge 
like Paul Ryan and fucking Mitch McConnell, who are I, I don't mind saying scumbags, especially Mitch McConnell. If I could never see that man ever again, I would be that much happier. But they've tried to repeal and replace ACA, uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, yeah, that yeah. With, with the unfortunate name of Obamacare, which I hate, but that seem to be embraced these days. But And they're working on tax reform. So yeah. as far as legislation, as far as like actual governing going on, what do you think – do you think they're going to get tax reform? I mean they failed uh, multiple times with fucking ACA. It's like yeah. what do you think they're going to do with tax reform? Um, I, well, first of all, back to, to your point about you know why they keep him around, I think that – you're, you're partially right. I think that they see him as kind of <laughs> just a, a vehicle for signing into law bills that they hope they can pass. Yes. And the other part about it, which which is where I think you're a little bit wrong, is they're in a tough spot. I think I think if it were personally up to Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell, they want to get they want to get rid of him and then put in Mike Pence. No doubt in my mind, they would both have not rather have Mike Pence. The problem is their constituents love Trump, right? So if you're Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump's approval rating in Kentucky is 76. percent If you make a move against Trump, uh, you know your, your people back home are, are going to scream bloody murder, right? So. And I've been, people keep asking me, when are, when are the Republicans going to finally impeach Trump? They can't like Trump. And the answer is they don't. But for them to be able to have the political breathing space to do that, there needs to be a significant drop in his approval rating, not generally, but among Republicans. Because until Republicans, and I don't mean Republicans in Congress, I mean Republicans throughout the country, start to move away from him, there's no political incentive for Republicans in Congress to act. But to your, to your question about tax reform, if I had to bet, I would say they're not going to get it. You know, tax reform is incredibly complicated. It is the most complicated and convoluted policy issue that you can try to address because everyone pays taxes, right? Yep. When you talk about the Affordable Care Act, you're actually talking about a pretty small group of people that are affected by it. The vast majority of Americans either get health insurance through their employer or they get it through Medicaid or Medicare. Yep. Um, you're actually only talking about single-digit percent of America who actually use the health insurance provided through the exchanges under the Affordable Care Act. Yep. So think about the, all the outrage that was generated when they tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and you were actually talking, I don't know the exact number, don't quote me on it, but I think it's like 5% of Americans who get health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a small right. sample size. Right. So... Everyone pays taxes. Every single person in America pays taxes. Ideally. Right? 100% of Americans pay taxes, or at least they're supposed to. Yeah. So every, like, this is something that affects literally everybody. Yes. And that means that every lobbyist out there for every business is going to be in every congressman's office lobbying because they want their particular loophole protected. They want their particular rate to go down. And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty, but there are all kinds of convoluted procedural rules about a sp- kind of specific rules about how you do this they've got they've got a lot of hurdles that they still need to, to jump before they're going to get this done i'm not going to say it's impossible there's a good chance the house is going to vote on it this week and pass it a, a version of it but the the house is always much 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 easier than the senate the senate's much harder to get stuff through you know they say they're going to get it passed before thanksgiving no way in hell that's not sense. that's definitely um, not happening no, it's 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 impossible. Um, you know, they may get it early next year. I, if I had to bet, I would say it's just not going to work out for them, especially after the results in in um, 
in Virginia and uh, the other week, or the other night, which I know you wanted to touch on. Yeah, as did well. you want to move on to that, or did you have more to say? No, let's talk about that election because I yeah. think that's a that's a pretty important event. Yeah, here in Austin, uh, there wasn't. We just had props, like we had props and some uh, some budgetary things to vote for. So it was pretty non. It was almost a non-issue. I voted and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll vote for a couple things. But yeah, it's it was huge in Virginia. I'm very proud of Virginia, considering in the same year they had that Charlottesville thing, which, yeah. granted, a lot of those fuck faces came from out of town, but still. It's a good sign to know that despite the unfortunate situation and unfortunate events in Charlottesville, Virginia, the the state came out and, you know had a whole bunch of firsts. Like, I was very happy. I Actually, I wouldn't even... Okay, so I wasn't even that happy that Virginia elected, like, their first transgender state representative. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. But what I did love was that I knew there were people that were going to be mad about this. And I'm like, that's delicious to me. So Right, right. So, right. so put it in perspective for, like, a casual listener in your best ability. What... Do you think this is a rebuff to Trumpism, as I've been hearing a lot, or do you think it's a blip? What do you think? Well, it's absolutely a rebuff to Trumpism. There's, there's no other way to interpret it. Um, okay. And, and just to kind of contextualize, it's so we have the presidential election every four years. We have congressional elections every two years, kind of both presidential years and in between. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of weird states, Virginia, New Jersey are, are two of them. And then on the other side, it's Louisiana, I think, and Mississippi that have their like, gubernatorial and state elections, not during a presidential year or a midterm year, but in the year in between those. So we really are only looking at elections from two states, and that's uh, New Jersey and Virginia. In New Jersey, it's a blue state. The Democratic candidate won. The only real reason it's a big deal is because he's replacing a Republican governor, Chris Christie, who's just a special kind of douchebag. Fucking uh, awful. But we can talk about that another time. Yeah. But in Virginia, um, you know, it was expected to be a close race for governor. The uh, national you know, headlines... Yeah, yeah. All, all the polls were showing that it was going to be a close race. It ended up being kind of a, a unexpectedly large win for the Democratic candidate. And that was kind of the big headline. But, but but I think even more important is what happened in the state legislature elections in Virginia. You touched on that with the first transgender candidate being elected to the state house. But the, the Republicans controlled the, the Virginia State House of Representatives by a wide margin. And, and it was expected that the Democrats were going to pick up a few seats. I was kind of reading they would pick up five or six, maybe up to eight. They picked up at least 15. Jeez. And, and possibly more. There are a couple of races that they have to do recounts in because they were incredibly close. But, uh, you know, they, they basically doubled, tripled what was expected in terms of how many seats they picked up. And, and if you look at where, it's always critical when you're looking at these elections to kind of figure out what... Don't just look at the raw numbers. Kind of figure out what happened. Where were the unexpected votes? And what happened was that turnout in Northern Virginia, the suburbs of D.C., was up way more than anyone thought it would be. You mentioned Charlottesville. There was a 31% increase in turnout between the last gubernatorial election and this one in Charlottesville. Some of the other counties surrounding D.C., turnout was up 15 20 25%. And that's where all those seats that the Democrats picked up came from. And, and, and specifically, there was a huge increase in turnout for white college-educated people. And I think that is where 
this was really a rebuke to Trumpism. It wasn't that, you know, independents changed their mind. It was really that a lot of, there was just a huge increase in turnout among white college-educated people to a lesser extent among minorities. Minorities mostly voted uh, in the in, in the presidential election because I think they were just as terrified of Trump as, as anyone. But yeah. What happened was I think there are a lot of white college-educated people who don't really consider themselves Democrats and didn't like Hillary Clinton, but didn't vote. Yeah. And I think those people came out in huge numbers for, for Ralph Northam and for Democratic candidates down ballot. And if that, if we see anything like that I mean, next year in the midterm election, Democrats have a really good chance of taking back the House because those suburban white voters are really what are going to swing a lot of these elections. They're kind of always the question mark that, that ends up determining who wins a lot of these elections. And there's really no way to read the results in terms of how much of a radical swing there was this time around as just a, a major rebuke to, to Donald Trump. And the the Republican candidate who ran for governor, uh, Ed Gillespie, he kind of tried to awkwardly find a middle ground. You know, he didn't campaign with Trump, but he kind of embraced some of the aspects of Trumpism. He ran a couple of ads that were pretty controversial that yeah. a lot of folks, myself included, kind of thought were a little bit dog whistly racist. He said uh, um, the MS-13 one I saw. I was like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> MS-13 is just killing people, man. They're just everywhere. You can't walk down the street without MS-13 in your neighborhood. It's crazy. It's absurd and it's racist, but here we are. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's there's not really a way to read these results without – it is a it is a huge – it should be a huge red flag for the White House and for Republicans that if they don't course correct, I think they're going to be in trouble next year. Okay. Uh, that yeah. could be wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's really sad what you said. Basically what you said, I'm going to try and articulate this the best way I can, that uh, the turnout was most significant with uh, white college-educated aged uh, college educated, um, voters. Yeah, and then the reason I point that out, by the way, I'm not trying to be elitist or anything, but yeah. when, when you, you – know, in politics, uh, when you look at these polls, there's kind of – you try to break them down by as many demographics as you can. Yeah. And there is, it's, it's a, you know, again, I'm not judging or being elitist at all. I don't think college is, you know, something that you have to go to to, to be smarter and like that. But there is a, a huge kind of well, a split among non-college educated whites, both significantly Republican, college educated whites. It's typically a lot closer to 50-50. Well, I was, uh, was going to say that Maybe it is a, and I mean, you're not, you're not making, you're not going out of your way to single them out. That's just what the data shows. You're not going right. to, I mean, exactly. So exactly. what I was, exactly. what I was going to say is, is it, did these white college educated voters feel like, I, I, I don't want to, it's not on the same level, but some form of white guilt as far as like, we didn't show up. And look what happened. We can never let that ever happen again. Do you think it's this yeah. like it's this like guilt trip that they were like, if we had all stepped up and made a decision, it's not even the fact that Hillary would. I, I hate the like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I hate to like relegislate the election here, but it's like you fucking idiots. Y'all thought <laughs> Hillary. Y'all hated this woman. So much, and I'm not. I said it once. I'll say it again. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I was never a fan of Hillary Clinton. But you know what? I haven't really been a fan of any president, honestly, besides Obama, because I genuinely think he's a decent human being. But politicians—no disrespect to anyone in particular—politicians 
are usually, usually have warts. I'm just saying figuratively and sometimes literally, uh, but you can't, you have to measure these things. Like you have to like, you cannot like, I just think these people, these people in swing states, these white, you know, college educated people that were on the fence and decided inaction and apathy was the way to go and let's just hope for the best. I think that is privilege. I think that's privilege encapsulated and it just drives me the fucking, it drives me fucking crazy. Right. I I just. Yeah, no, I I think there were a a lot of of people um, who either they, you know, maybe they're Republicans or independents and they definitely didn't like Trump, but they didn't much like Hillary either, so they decided not to vote. Or they're even Democrats who definitely don't like Trump, but also kind of just couldn't get excited about Hillary. You know, most people, it's it's easy, especially for me living in D.C., it's easy to, like, think of everyone like me in the sense that everyone is going to vote. You just have to convince them who to vote for. And that's not true. Most Americans actually don't wake up on election day thinking like, who am I going to vote for? They wake up on election day thinking, should I go vote? Right. Yeah. And, and so I think that too many people who like are really active and, and involved and watch the news every day and read the news every day think it's like weird that someone wouldn't vote. It's not always even an active decision not to vote. It's just no one got you excited to get up and go to the polls. So you didn't. And I think there are a lot of people who just thought Trump was bad, Hillary was bad. Why what would I go to the polls? And I think that Trump has been so incredibly uh, you know Irredeemable. Destructive and 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 and, and terrifying um, and, and offensive and, and rude and, and everything that uh, kind of woke woke up. They woke the fuck up and, and they're gonna vote. So you know, I mean, Democrats are energized right now. Every poll out there says that a lot more Democrats plan on voting in the upcoming midterm elections than they did in the last election. Uh, across demographics, Democrats are really excited to vote, and that's kind of the inverse of what happened in 2010 um, in the first midterm elections after yeah. Obama was elected when Republicans um, picked up a bunch of seats in the House and the Senate. So we talk a lot about wave elections, and is this a wave election? And it's, it's too early to tell, but the... The, all the ingredients are there for Democrats to have a really good election um, next year at this time. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But, um, I, you know, there's no there's no there's certainly no evidence that this president is capable of kind of looking at these results and saying, oh, man, this really was a rebuke of me. I better change my behavior. Right. Like that doesn't just seem like something that's in his character. So I don't. Yeah, he's not physically. I don't think he's mentally capable. I mean, yeah. compare that again. You can say what you want about Barack Obama. Yeah. But the day after the 2010 elections, after the Republicans picked up 60 seats in the House, the day after the day after that, Obama did a press conference and he said, "Yeah, we got shellacked." He used that word. He said shellacked, and he said, "We're going to have to, you know, take a look in the mirror and figure out what to do differently." I, I can't imagine Trump saying that, right? Can you imagine Trump holding a press conference and saying, "Like, yep, I screwed up. I was wrong." Um, I understand that, and I'm going to go kind of try to figure out what to do differently. I don't think That's I've not ever heard that Donald Trump is capable of doing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone, him or anyone in his administration, acknowledge falsehoods or inaccuracies or mistakes. So, right, more, it, more likely than not, if I'm right and Democrats have a big night, uh, big big election in a year, he'll say, "Oh, it's because the fake news media." Yeah. spreading lies about me and that's that's why all these all these voters they just heard lies from the fake news media and that's why they voted for democrats do you want to uh before we move on to the sports aspect of this 
this episode. Did you want to? Did you want to touch on the uh, Mueller investigation or not? Nah, that's a little too complicated. Um, I can talk about it. Is there any you have a particular question? Or you're no, just I just generally share my thoughts. Uh, I guess the latter. But I was uh, what I would ask is that. Look, I don't. I've only. I don't even come anywhere near DC. But you live in DC. I would like to believe you can. You're aware of what's going on in the city. Is it? Is it like palpable? Like, do you get this feel that like it's like oh shit, it's it's not a joke. This is very serious. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I mean, listen, people are gonna go to jail. Uh, Paul Manafort is in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, Michael Flynn is in a whole lot of trouble. Carter Page, a lot of these guys you hear about on the news. But but I mean, ultimately, I mean, this is going to go in a lot of different directions, right? Yeah. The, 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 this story is going to take a lot of weird turns and twists. But I guess, you know, if you're a person who doesn't have the... I mean, I'm lucky, uh, if you can call this lucky, I, it's my job to follow this stuff. So I get to get into the weeds on it. But if you're not a person who has the time or, or, or interest to kind of get in the weeds on this, just I would say the thing to keep in mind is ultimately... If you are someone who, who wants this to ultimately get pinned on the president, the way it's going to go is obstruction of justice, right? Because ultimately, yes, w- where this is all leading, again, this is the story is going to have a lot of tentacles, but where they're all going to meet is that Trump fired Jim Comey to avoid the FBI investigating his administration about its connection to Russia. I don't ultimately know whether the president knew that people in his campaign were talking to the Russians about this. My yes. bet is that he didn't. I, I, I would think that the people at the highest levels of the Trump campaign were smart enough to insulate him from this and to make sure he didn't personally know. So in that sense, my bet, my, I could be wrong, but my bet is that Trump will not, there, there won't be the evidence there to kind of specifically say tr- Donald Trump personally colluded with the Russians uh, to win a presidential campaign. What I do think is that once he realized what had happened after the election was already over, mm-hmm. He tried to cover it up, and that—that's where you get into the firing Comey and, and and firing Mike Flynn and all this other stuff. And that's ultimately, again, the only historical parallel we really have here is Nixon and Watergate. And a lot of people don't realize we don't—we to this day don't know for sure whether Nixon knew about the Watergate break-in at the time. Yeah, we don't know that. What we did know is that once Nixon found out about the Watergate break-in, he tried to cover it up. We we, we never actually what Nixon went down for was not ordering the break-in. Yes. We don't know if he knew about the break-in, yeah. but we knew he tried to cover it up. And that's where I think Trump is going to get nailed. And My, I, I, do think, I do think it's probably only a matter of time. There's just so much evidence out there. Yeah. And there are so many people from Paul Manafort to Mike Flynn who, who Bob Mueller is going to be able to go to them and say, listen, I've got you. So either give me your boss or, or you're going to jail. And I think ultimately he's going to get Manafort in that position. He's going to get Flynn in that position. And he's just going to get enough people to be able to testify saying, yeah. That's why he fired Comey. I, I think. I think that's ultimately how this ends. Um, I, 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 there, there's just so much evidence out there that, that Trump tried to cover this up. So we'll I disagree see. in my in, in my like anti expert opinion. What I would say is that I disagree with you. I think there. It's like it reminds me of like when college football coaches get busted for. For like scandals in their program, uh, inappropriate benefits or whatever, right? It's always like, how much did the coach know? How much did the coach know? It's like, yeah. but I, it always comes down to, it's your, it's the coach's job to know, right? And it's also there, are, there are degrees here. Like, did he know? What did he know? Like, how much did he know? I right. think, I think it's more probable than not that he knew. Hey, let's not piss off the Russians or fuck with the Russians and let them do their thing. Uh, I don't know. 
who's talking to who, what are we talking about here, but I know that we're getting a little assistance from outside of the campaign, and I think that's more than criminal right there. It's like, yeah. so I think he, yeah. he he didn't call Vladimir Putin and be like, yo, bud, you got them docs? You're going you gonna to release right, them, right? right? But he probably, his handlers probably knew, like, hey. Although he did literally say at a press conference, yeah. hey, Putin, if you've got those emails, you should release them. He said that out loud at a press conference. Yeah, that's the thing, like, the best thing that encapsulates, <laughs> the best thing that describes this is the, it's been comedically labeled Stupid Watergate. Like, it really is Stupid right. Watergate. Yeah. It's a bunch of right. people, it's like, how, how dumb, how right. dumb are you? And, and, the, and the, only, the only thing I'd push back on is that, you know the difference between this and like a Rick Pitino situation yeah. is is um, legal liability, right? Like yeah. in terms of when you talk about oh, it's the college, it's it's the coach's responsibility to know and stop this. You're talking about an ethical standard, and you're and you're talking yes. about yes, should course, he keep yes. his job? This is this is legal, right? And there yes. are very specific legal definitions of what constitutes illegal cooperation with the foreign government. And and again, I could be wrong, but my bet would be that they won't have enough evidence to get him on that. Okay. Um, but I think that they, what they will have more than enough evidence to get them on is trying to obstruct justice to cover it up. Anyway, uh, let's move on to a happier note. Uh, please. please. <laughs> well, a couple questions. We're going to talk about baseball, One, a topic sure. that isn't discussed uh, much on this pod because, honestly, other than you, Joe, I really don't have any friends that are into baseball. <laughs> but uh, yeah. who, who have a team they actively follow. Like, I'm currently wearing a White Sox hat. I know we sucked this past season, but I I don't – other than that, you're the only person I know I could probably, like, send a text message to to be like, hey, did you watch that game the other night? And you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, I caught a little bit of it. So Exactly. Um, exactly. So did you watch the World Series? I watched some of it. Um, I was a little bit demoralized after the Yankees lost. So well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not going to get there yet. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pay, we're gonna give them their time. All right, all right. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, did you sure. watch Game Seven? I did. I did watch Game Seven. One question: How fast would you have yanked to you, Darvish? Because that dude got on both knees and blew this game, blew that game. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that um, I think he shot probably should have been pulled quicker than he was. It's. I was. I was. I, I didn't watch any of the games. I watched Game Seven because I was like, if it goes to Game Seven, that's when I'll watch. Because that's like Game Seven of the World Series is probably one of the best like three hours of television you'll ever see. Yeah. And I was watching it like, why is this dude still out there? Get yeah. him out of here! I was like shocked. I was shocked. What little I know about baseball, I'm like, why is this dude still out there? Pull him. Yeah. You. They. They didn't. Besides those five runs that Darvish gave up, they did not score. The Astros did not score again. It's like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? You could have won this game if you would yeah. pulled it and stopped the bleeding. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard decision to make, right? Like, on yeah. one hand, he's, he's sucking right now. On the other hand, he's been amazing all season. So, you know, I think there's part of it is this, like, um, you know, bias towards sticking with the decision you've already made yeah right like there's always going to be this bias like oh i made this decision for a reason it's smarter to stick with it yeah you don't want to panic you don't want to you didn't want to cause a yeah right right um i think that's part of it i think you see a lot i think in general pitchers are often kept in more or or longer than they should be because of that kind of psychological you know trust your gut 
I'll trust my gut. Keep him in there. Did you uh, uh, Did you have a rooting interest in this? No, nah, not really. Not really. I was, uh, while I, 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 I have mad respect and I'm very happy for the city of Houston and the Astros for winning, uh, I did live there for nine months after Katrina. It was a lovely city. They were so good to us, Katrina. Well, at least to yeah. me anyway. They were so good to me, uh, the people I came into contact with. So I'm very happy for that city, especially considering all the shit they went through this year. Um, but I was rooting for the Dodgers because Magic Johnson is probably my favorite basketball player of all time, and he's a part owner of the Dodgers. Yeah. So I was rooting for the Dodgers, if I'm being honest. Wait. Hold on. Well, first of all, two things. I also have a soft spot in my heart for the Dodgers because they're the team of Sandy Koufax. Jews don't have that many great athletes, and he's like the only one. So I will always have a soft spot for the Dodgers. But second of all, you're a Bulls fan, and your favorite basketball player of all time is Magic Johnson? Yeah. That makes no sense. Okay, I'll explain it to you. One, I don't claim the Jordan years because I would I did not become a fan of the Bulls until the late uh, – until 2010, so – I feel like it would be inappropriate for me to claim the bu- the Jordan years. I mean, yeah. Michael Jordan's incredible. I love Michael Jordan. He's I've seen his highlights. I love Space Jam. I love a lot of things he does. <laughs> he makes great tennis shoes. But I mean, I was I wasn't very active in any kind of sports in the '90s. Like I was, we were we were little kids. We didn't really pay attention to that shit, right? So, yeah. but I love Magic Johnson as. First and foremost, a person. I think he's like one of the most remarkable, uh, uh, inspirational, smart, talented guys you'll ever meet. I feel bad for him because obviously the condition he had to live through for most of his life. But the fact yeah. that he's overcome it, he's inspirational. And I think that uh, the like, you know, the past three decades, like since uh, Magic had his time, right? I feel like his stock has gone down because obviously it's become a you know, jo- uh, Jordan or LeBron, or now it's LeBron and KD and shit like that. But it's like, you don't understand. At one point, the NBA was, like, almost about to die. And Magic Johnson and Larry Bird saved the NBA. Like, true. almost single-handedly. Because they were that good. Like, Michael, yeah. like, Irvin Magic Johnson is one of the greatest basketball players to ever pick up a ball. Like, he is, and he's incredibly smart he's incredibly he's not a very articulate man i'll be the first to admit he sounds kind of dopey when he talks but i love him nonetheless i just love magic johnson he just seems to radiate positivity and and inspiration so i'm like i have an attachment to this man so that's why i was rooting for the dodgers because i want good things to happen to magic johnson because he's 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 like i said he's one of my he's my favorite basketball player of all time and he's like a hero to me like i'm like this dude yeah. is incredible so yeah i mean he's he's one of the best ever and then yeah i think he's one of the most unique ever yes. um you know like the, the fact that he was what he's 610 and basically played point guard yeah you know he, he was kind of like going point forward right he's like kind of one of the only guys who was able to successfully be like a big man yeah but who handled the ball and distributed the ball and was as incredible of a pass. i mean he's one of the best passers of all time yeah, jo- yeah. jordan was 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 and is still as of now, the best ever. But, you know, you look at Kobe, you look at Wade, both of those guys basically imitated his game completely. Yeah. And pretty successfully. Whereas no one's really ever been able to, to imitate his game because it was so unique. LeBron is, I think, the, the fact that it becomes a LeBron-MJ debate, I think is unfair because you had two excellent players, but who had di- very different roles. I think LeBron and Magic are the closest 
Like they, I feel like LeBron is the Magic Johnson of our generation. Like I feel like well, he LeBron is, is. LeBron is the closest thing to Magic in terms of the way he plays. I he's, agree with he's that. Magic, he's still. He's, he's still. Yeah. He, he's still not. I mean, you look. Go back and look at, at how good of a passer Magic was. Like LeBron's I don't know, man. Close. LeBron. I don't know what I, LeBron was created in a lab somewhere. No, uh, agreed, agreed. But agreed. he's—I I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge LeBron fan. I think he's—I—I he's, I, I respectfully disagree with. That. I think he is as good a passer as Magic, and he has a shot. Magic never had a shot. Like he true, never—he had never had a J. But Magic had to go to the basket. You know? Yeah, and it was—that's where the Tragic Johnson shit came in for that year. But but if I had grown up, if I had been alive during the Showtime Lakers, I probably would be a Lakers fan for life because that just seems like. One of the gr- oh, you, like, you and you and you and other half, like half of America. Yeah, that's where the Lakers became the Lakers, man. Like, right. nope. It, it's uh, anyway. Back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're so, we supposed to be talking about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's 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 talk about your 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 team. Unfortunately, well, for you, not for the rest of America. Thankfully, the Yankees didn't make it to the World Series. Uh, but as you told me immediately, that is not necessarily a done deal in years to come. You expect oh, yeah. the Yankees to become dominant. Unfortunately, that's the last thing we need. Look, man, I love you, my brother, but the Yankees <laughs> are like top two, like most annoying fan bases in the planet. Like y'all are awful and I mean, so obnoxious, so arrogant. Oh my god. I mean, you would be too if you had twenty-seven rings, wouldn't you? It's so they lost to the they lost to the Astros. Uh, but how how are you, so you do feel positive about their sending and stuff like that? And how do you feel oh, about yeah. this kid Aaron Judge, man? Apparently, he's like the shit, right? I mean, Aaron Judge um, is going to be Rookie of the Year. He was probably the second best hitter in the American League this year after Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he did. He kind of started the season really strong. Yeah. Ended the season really strong. There was a, for about half the season in the middle there, he wasn't hitting very well. But, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a rookie. And the Yankees are just stocked with young talent right now. You got, besides him, you have Gary Sanchez, the catcher. Mm-hmm. You got Greg Bird at first base. They've got a couple of catchers. I mean, and they still have a couple guys who are going to come up next year out of the farm system who are kind of blue-chip prospects. I, I saw this year's Yankees as kind of year one of a really like a, a, a five, six, maybe even seven or eight-year window where they're going to be a contender. Well, let, um, me, let me ask you this. Would you have fired Joe Torre? You mean Girardi? No, oh, Gerard. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I get. Yeah. I'll take Joe Torre back. <laughs> okay, so Shit, I'll take Joe Torre back in a second. So okay, so um, would you have fired Girardi? My bad. That was a slip. I don't. Time. You know, I've I've read a lot about this, and I on one hand he made a couple of terrible decisions in the playoffs that cost us games. Okay. Um, you know, on the other hand, I think he was a good manager for most of the year, and I think the guys liked him. Which for me, I mean. Man, being a manager in baseball, I, I don't want to say it's an easy job, but compared to other sports, it's an easy job. I mean, you know, there aren't really X's and O's. Yeah. You know, it's really just setting, especially in the American League. In the National League, there's a little bit more strategy in terms of pitchers batting and pinch hitters. But in the American League, the manager basically sets the lineup. That's pretty much it. So, you know, for me, uh, you know, it's kind of about, you know, do, are you able to motivate your guys, right? It's 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 much more of like a 
a job about motivation and, and getting your guys prepared to play than it is about the X's and the O's. So it's and a personnel. Sense, it's a personnel position. Right. In that sense, from what I understand, Girardi was doing a good job. So I don't totally understand. From what I've read, there there was just conflict between him and the front office. Yeah. And the front office is always almost always going to win that battle. So we'll see who they get. I mean, I, I certainly don't think it was a, a move that'll necessarily cost us. I think that we'll be fine no matter who the manager is. I was a little bit confused by it. I so thought it was premature. I thought it was like they, he got he got y'all to what game seven or game six of the conference no, series. Game, game seven. We went yeah, to game, game seven. seven. Yes. I'm like, and y- and y'all lost to the eventual champions. I'm like, right. And it's not even like we were ex- like th- that. Exceed nobody at the beginning of the season even had the answers yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Much less much less a game away from the World Series. Right. I was I I fully expected us to to miss the playoffs. I did not expect this to be a good year. And they, they overperformed by any by any reasonable standard. So, you know, it's a little bit odd to me that they I know that for the past couple of years it's it's kind of been the narrative has been Girardi needs to start to get this moving. But he did this yeah. year. So it's it's a little bit odd to me. I think it was more about personality and, and like internal Yankee politics than about actual baseball. So we'll see. We'll see. I have no idea who they're gonna he'll, pick next. He'll but. definitely you think he'll keep managing? He'll bounce on his feet, right? Oh yeah, someone will, someone will, someone will hire him for sure. How do you feel about uh, Jeter taking over the Marlins? Good for him, man. No, I think that's awesome. Um, I'm, you know, on a, like gut emotional level, I don't like seeing him associated with any team that's not the Yankees. But like, I think that's awesome. That's what he kind of said he wanted to do right off the bat. Kind of everyone was asking him, "Oh, do you want to commentate? Do you want to coach?" And he said, "No, I want to. I want to own a team." And, he did it, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy he did it. Okay. Good for him. So considering the excitement of this year, this season, especially the playoffs this season, the, the World Series, and especially the excitement from last season with the Cubbies winning it all, yeah. I think it's fair to say that baseball has gained some ground that it lost, but do you think baseball is back? Do you think it's in the competition of the three major sports again? I don't. Okay. And I, I'll tell you why I don't. I, I think that... I think that baseball is a sport, unlike football, unlike basketball, and I don't even I don't even personally follow hockey, so I won't even yeah, go there. Yeah, me neither. But <laughs> I mean, I, I I know that Sidney Crosby and Ovechkin are players, and that's about what I got. Go Redskins! Um, go, I mean, go Red Wings, not Redskins. Go, go Red Wings! <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> point. I mean, we're we're Southerners, obviously. It was never a big thing where we're from, but no, with baseball, I think that part of it is that even I, and I'm a pretty big baseball fan, I only really watched. Like, yeah. if, if it's just, like, I go home and I flip on the TV and it's, like, a Cardinals-Cubs game, I'm not watching that. I might watch it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Whereas with basketball, I go home and it's Warriors-Rockets. I'm not a Warriors fan or a Rockets fan, but I'm watching a significant portion of that game because yeah. I'm still excited by it. The vast majority of baseball fans really only watch their team. Yeah. And I think in that sense, baseball has gotten lucky the past couple of years that you look at the teams who are really good right now, it's the Cubs, it's the Yankees, it's the Dodgers. These are teams that have huge The fans, Astros. Right? Big markets, big markets. Exactly, exactly. So I think I think it's almost a little bit of a fluke in that it just so happens that the teams that have made the runs in the playoffs and kind of generated a lot of the attention happen to be the biggest market, biggest fan-based teams. Yeah. I think if you, you could just as easily be in a situation where the Marlins are really good and the Rays are really good and the Diamondbacks are really good, yeah. but no one watches because no one gives a fuck. So... I kind of think that the, the the increase we've seen in the last two years is more just luck that the big markets have been really the successful teams than anything else. I think that baseball is kind of static, and it's just in this era of kind of ADD and people 
scoring all the time, baseball is just a little bit too hard to get your head around. And I don't think it's baseball is going to die or anything. I think there will always be fans of every team, and those fans will watch their team play. But I, I think that it's not going to be able to compete with the NBA and the NFL, which are just two sports where people are willing to watch two teams that they don't necessarily care about playing. Yeah. I don't know how baseball makes money. I imagine from television, obviously, but... Well, it's, like, it's, it's the games, though. It's mostly ticket sales. But it's, but it's the fact that, like, every I feel like during the season, all 260,000 games in a season, uh, <laughs> I, I look at, like, besides your major teams, like the Red Sox, the Yanks, you know, uh, like, the stadiums are, like, fucking empty i'm like who the fuck are going to these games like how are yeah, you making any money how many games there are you don't yeah. have to sell out every game there are 162 games every year are you sure i'm pretty sure it's like over a million games a season like it, it's ridiculous that the number <laughs> of games that a season is for y'all yeah uh, but it's i i i i don't want baseball like i don't want baseball to die i have really no interest in it but it is important i feel like it is important to the country like i think it is like a part of us and i would be very sad to see baseball be diminished even further than it already is but i feel like it's inevitable i I think it's gonna kind of i think it's already kind of seen it lost a lot of ground in other sports i don't think it'll lose more i i I do think that there is enough of a kind of core fan base an older an older fan base that is dying off though I don't know. I think the, I, I, there are a lot of people our age who still like baseball. But the, yeah. the problem, the difference is, I think my dad's generation, my dad would sit there and watch a fucking Cubs Cardinals game, even though he's a Yankees fan. Yeah. I wouldn't. So I think you'll see more of baseball fandom being localized yeah. to really pe- a bunch of people who just watch their team. And I do think you'll see that, which is something that the opposite trend is happening in the NBA and the NFL. More and more people, and in the NFL, it's primarily a product of fantasy football. More yeah. and more people are, are willing to watch any teams play. But yeah. I'll say one of the things I love about baseball is that it is it is the most unique sport, right? Yes. Most other sports are either get ball into goal or get ball back and forth over net or something like that. Baseball yeah. is one of the only sports that that isn't that. It's a totally unique game that doesn't look like any other game. Yeah, it is <laughs> and, distinct. And I, I find that a lot of fun. Where you would think that that is a strength, I think that the... I feel like baseball is overly complicated. It uh, it appears simple, but I feel like it's way more complicated than people like to let on. And I think it's not as... I think that limits its accessibility. True. True. And, and I, yeah, no, that's true. And I, I also think... And I know that, you know, when I used to work at... Uh, summer camp over the summer and there were always a lot of Israelis at the summer camp because it's a Jewish summer camp obviously yeah. um, but uh, we would have like a Saturday night staff softball game Yeah. and I'm like trying to teach the Israelis like how the rules of running the bases works was impossible <laughs> well I, I say that it's complicated but I'm not shitting you I was at a company thing in New York very recently and uh, a colleague of mine who's British uh, we were talking about American football and he was like, I lo- he was telling me, we've, we've talked before about basketball because we both like basketball, which I think is awesome that, you know, people from outside the United States love basketball and that's great. I wish more people in the U.S. like basketball, but that's a conversation for another day. But I, he was like, so explain American football to me. I was like, are we really about to have this conversation? He's like, yeah, let's talk about it. I'm like, okay. And he asked me a bunch of questions. I'm like, he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, it kind of doesn't, but at the same time, it does. And I'm like, football, American football is no, is probably not any easier than 
uh, baseball to explain because American no, football has a lot actually, of stupidity in it. I actually dragged my girlfriend to a bar to watch a Saints game with me last weekend, and she did not understand the rules. Um, <laughs> and I was try, I was trying to explain the downs. I was like, "Yeah, it's first. You get t- you have to get ten yards. You have four chances. So second and seven means second chance, and you have seven yards. And it was just I wasn't I was not did successful she, at explaining it. First off. Shame on you for neglecting to mention you have a girlfriend. That's that's something for <laughs> off air. I'm gonna give you shit for that later. But but when I always I, did, I didn't realize we hadn't talked about that. That's on me. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. On, but that's on both <laughs> of us. So I mean, I just hope you guys are happy. Is she from? She's from the United States, though, right? She is. Yeah, she, she lives in Boston. She didn't grow up. She didn't grow up. She's not a she. She didn't grow up in like a football household or anything like that. No. Okay. No, she didn't. So my my question I always dread when someone who's not a football fan asks me like, so what's this offensive pass interference? And all I can say is, honey, I don't even know. Like I don't, I don't think anyone knows what a catch is anymore. I don't think anyone knows what interference is anymore. What what a what a proper tackle is anymore. It's like. I guess. I mean, yeah, they've changed the rules so many times in the past like ten years. Um, Yeah. You just, it's kind of, it's almost like the pornography argument, right? It's yeah. like you don't really know, but you know when you see it. Yeah, it's... Right? Like, I don't really know what the definition of pass interference is, but when I see it, I'm like, fuck yeah, that was pass interference. Or what a, what a, what a, what a freaking, the difference now between an incomplete pass and a fumble, it's like, this is... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of, well, if you had anything else to say about baseball, the Yanks, if you wanted to wrap up. No, I think we covered it. Okay. Just, just remember, 2022 World Series champions. You heard it here first. Oh, fuck out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> I hope. I really hope. Look, man, I love you, like I said, but I really hope the Yankees pull a Buffalo Bills and go to like four straight World Series and lose every single one of them. <laughs> Speaking of the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> yeah, for real. Speaking of football, we are both helplessly uh, dedicated to our football team, the New Orleans Saints, and I'm I'm getting really tired of all these national experts so-called experts given blowing smoke up the saints asses i'm like y'all need to quit with that shit right 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 y'all y'all are they don't know joe they don't know they don't know the feeling (laughs) of rooting for this team and this team literally ripping your heart out through your chest and then going oops we didn't mean to do that it's like how could you be so cruel to a city it's like i i don't understand I, I don't buy it yet dude we need i'm not making my mind up about the saints until december like we need to get through the bills the washington team and the rams and then i'll see because we have not played right. the one quarterback we played this season that was any good and was healthy was tom brady and we lost so i just we've gotten a lot of lucky breaks this season we beat, we beat Cam Newton. I get, I get, but Cam is so inconsistent. I don't even know what that is, what that even means. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, this, you know, we've been, we, we Saints fans have been saying for years now, if we could just get a defense that was okay, yeah, we'd be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, because um, our offense is just so good, and, and we've got a defense now that's actually a little bit better than okay. Yes. Now I agree with you. I, I a lot of commentators. Oh, look how great the Saints defense. The Saints defense has not been great. They've been pretty good. They've, they've been, been all been right. Slightly above average. They've they um, haven't been a fucking line of traffic cones that they have been in the right. past few years. And they're taking and they're getting a lot of turnovers, which is which is what you need. So I mean, we're again, like you said, we haven't played a whole lot of good teams. Yeah. The two good teams we've really played are Minnesota and New England, and they've beaten us. So I think, like you said, we're going to learn a lot the next three weeks. Buffalo is six and three. Yeah. Then we got Washington at home. I think they're four and four. And then we got 
the Rams on the road. I think they're six and two. So these are three pretty good teams we're going up against. You know, uh, it's not totally unfathomable. We can go zero and three, and we're sitting here talking about the Saints missing the playoffs again. But we could also, if, if we if we get out of here two and one in these next three, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I think um, that's what I'm hoping for. At least we need. Uh, if anyone who's listening who's not a big football fan, like losses can be strategic. Like losses can be important and crucial. Like you need to you need to feel a loss. You need to get a loss to see okay. What are we doing wrong here? Where are our vulnerabilities and stuff like that? And listen, I mean, if you look at the last, we were on a six-game winning streak, which is crazy. Which is nuts. Um, I don't think the Saints have won that many in a row since the Super Bowl year. We haven't been Um, over 500 since, I think, 2013. Some ridiculous stat like that. Yeah. So, you know, you look at a lot of these wins, and and you can, for most of them, you can point to some some problems. I mean, that Detroit game was terrifying. You remember we were up. We were up, what, 38-10, and we almost blew the fucking game. Yeah. Um, but but fucking Detroit wanted to blow it harder. It was so ridiculous. Right. It was, I mean, it was, there were, there were a, a long stretch of that game in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter where we could not lose the football mm. at all. Um, you know, you, you look at the Chicago game even. Like, yeah, we won. The defense looked pretty good against a really bad quarterback. But our, like, there have been times in a lot of these games where there have been long periods of the game where the offense struggled to move the ball. And, and you know, the offense is still statistically having a very good year, but it does feel to me like they're a little bit behind where they've been in the past. Yeah. And it feels to me like Sean Payton is relying a lot more on the run than he has on the past. Yeah. Or than he has in the past, sorry. And, and I don't know if that's because he kind of is doing that for strategic reasons or if it's because he thinks Breeze has lost a step. And whereas in the past, you could count on Breeze to throw 45 passes a game. He can't do that anymore. I I don't know what that is, but we're definitely running the ball more with mixed mixed success. It hasn't been all good. You look at even last week against Tampa Bay. Yeah. You know, Will Lutz missed an extra point and a 40-yard field goal. So, you know, that's four points off the board that didn't end up mattering in a blowout. But in a close game, that's going to matter a lot. So there are a lot of things you can point to the past on this winning streak where we where, where you could say, yeah, we won, but, but there were things we need to get better at. I'm really excited about this new kid, Kamara, but I have a very love-hate relationship with Mark Ingram. Like, I'm, I, I love this dude. He feel, I feel like he he wants it. I feel like he's talented, but God damn it, if you fumble another fucking ball, I'm oh, going to fucking... that was brutal. That, those fumbles were brutal and then Kamara had one last week so it's you know I I I want like I keep telling everybody and it's a joke in my office because all my boys all my friends in my office that are like also football fans they're like oh yeah the Saints look great John I'm like shut your dirty mouth and they they made it a joke they're like Saints are going all the way this year I'm like you shut your dirty mouth and I I'm cautiously optimistic I I want it I don't think I'm alone in this. I think we all want it. But I'm very, very not sold. And again, I can't stress this enough to non-Saints fans. This team has had four and almost five decades. Five decades. They've been around 50 years. This team has had five decades of sucking. And when they're good, they found ways to kill us. Right. Like in our sleep. Except that one time. Um. But, but and, and so I agree, and I, I like. Let's be clear. I mean, I think one of the differences that the the Super Bowl team, the the Saints team that won the Super Bowl, won the first thirteen games of the year. Yep. Right. They went thirteen and zero in thirteen games. Then they then they lost two, and then the third one, the last game, they had clinched everything, so they sat people. But like, this team is probably not going to be a one seed. 
right? Like, the Rams are really good, the Vikings are really good, yeah. the Eagles look really good. You know, we're probably not going to, like, again, if we if we keep looking like we do, and if we go to the playoffs and win the division, we're not going into the playoffs as a favorite. We're not that good. This yeah. is a, so far looked like a good team, but it doesn't look like a dominant team. Um, no, and, and, not at all. You can... You can get better as the, as the season goes on. I yeah. mean, it's it's not unfathomable that this is a team that can make a run in the playoffs. I mean, the the running game is there. He's, he's, you know, it's weird. It, it's almost like we've been spoiled by him. Yeah. Because the past few weeks, I've like been watching the games and been like, Breeze looks pretty good, but he doesn't look that good. And then you look at the stats and you're like, oh yeah, he's really good. It's, I feel like it's because we've been so spoiled by how incredible he has been in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And Breeze is just an A minus quarterback. It feels to us like he's a C quarterback because yeah. we're so used to like A plus football from him. And uh, it's worth mentioning that we're only like a game, I think a half game or a game uh, in yeah. first place. Like our, our lead right is, there. yeah, our lead is not. Two. I think Carolina six and three. Yeah, our lead is not. The only thing we have over them is that we haven't. They haven't taken their bye, and we've beat them already. So, and it's. I think it's critical that we beat them on the road. So yeah. we get another shot at them, but it's in. It's in New Orleans. So I'm, that's good. I'm hoping. I'm. I'm. I'm hoping, Joe. Because you know, we listen. If, if we can get past these next three, like I said, going two and one, the last five don't look that bad. I mean, we got the Falcons twice. Yeah. Um, which in the last five, and, and they look okay. They don't look nearly as good as last year. Yeah. We have we have Carolina at home. Yep. We have the Jets, who we should beat, and then we have Tampa Bay again. Oh no, the Jets are fire, looking so. pretty solid. I don't know, man. We should beat the Jets. Um, no, but I, this next three are critical. If we go to this next three, two and one, I think we'll be sitting here in three weeks saying we're we're pretty confident about the playoffs because the last five games don't look that tough. Anyway, I can't, and I, I reiterate. It's not that we don't want them to be good. It's just we, we've been hurt before, right? <laughs> yeah. We have collective PTSD when it comes to the Saints. Anyway, on to the, uh, uh, on to the questionnaire. We're about, what are we? We're an hour and 12? Okay. All right. Uh, all right. You ready for this questionnaire? Sure. All right. All right. All right. What was your first car? So I've only had one car. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I didn't, you remember, I didn't drive in high school. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, 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 I like, I, you know, in, in college, I, I didn't really need one. I borrowed my parents' car and needed it. I got a, my parents got me a car after college, and that's the only one I've had. It's a, this Corolla, nothing special. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Uh, so you still have it, right? I do. It's in New Orleans, so I only really use it when I go back there. Um, there's do no not... point in having a car in D.C. It's, it's not a city that lends itself well to driving. Oh, so. yeah. Do you not like driving? You don't like to drive, right? No, I, I don't mind driving. I hate parking. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, parking stresses me out a lot more than driving. Oh, no. I, uh, I, I'm, I've been driving. I think I said this last episode. I've been driving, like, since I was 16, like, commuting, like, every yeah. day. So, like, I'm so comfortable driving. Like, I'm not – I love to drive. I, I – I, and parking – this is how this – how, like – if I do a good like we live we, we grew up in New Orleans so we, you had to learn how to parallel park in New Orleans, and I like to think I'm pretty freaking awesome at parallel parking. That's me knocking on wood. You never know. Uh, so I will do a great parallel parking job, and I will take a picture and send it to people to be like, yeah, check this check this shit out. Look how good I am. I still got it, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
All right, uh, next question. What bores you or what is the most boring thing you can think of? <sighs> Soccer, I guess, maybe. Oh, you shut your... What? <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you. Uh, art museums. Oh, really? I love history museums. Yeah. I will nerd out on a history museum, but take me to an art museum and I'm gone. I just can't. I, I don't get it. <laughs> You're so unsophisticated. <laughs> They're like you'll read these all the little paintings will have their like this artist was trying to evoke the classicalist neoliberal theory of <laughs> notice the lines and I'm just like, Jesus, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like I just I don't I don't I don't judge people who are into that. Like I, I I'm not, you know, disparaging anyone who may be very into art, but personally for me it is it is just it's 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 awful. It's terrible. I can't stand it. <laughs> that's, that's that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, yeah. You're so uncouth. What the hell? Uh, exactly. Can't take me anywhere. Oh, God. Who is your role model? Or role models, if you have multiple? Probably our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Drew Brees. Uh, the greatest human model. being to ever walk the earth, yes. The greatest human being to ever walk the earth. Um, you know, I was thinking about this question. I don't, I don't I don't really have like one that stands out. I, you know, there are people I admire. Um, I think these days one of the kind of general groups of people I admire are these political journalists. You know, like your Maggie Habermans and your uh, Glenn Thrush, people like that. who are kind of putting out a lot of these stories and keeping the American people informed about what's going on. Do I dare I go Old Testament and propose Moses? <laughs> Moses, yes. Him and I have a lot in common. Both of us have no sense of direction and <laughs> often get lost. Um, well, let's hope you see the let's hope you see the promised land, my brother. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, uh, good answers, good answers. I, I respect that. Okay, so next an- next question: shark diving, bungee jumping, or skydiving? Definitely skydiving. Okay. I mean, bungee jumping to me seems kind of like just a shittier version of skydiving. Yeah. And yeah. then shark diving, I don't know how, like, if you're into shark diving, you're a, you're a sociopath, you're a crazy person. I don't know, that, that shit would terrify me. I, um, but but no. skydiving, I'm all about that, I would, I would love to try that sometime, I've never done it, but... Yeah, I want to wanna do that too, I, I don't know, I'm right there with you, like, the, on paper, like, explain, like, sell this to me. So you're going right. to take me out to the middle of the ocean, right. on a boat, and in a, a steel cage... You're going to put me in the water with something that probably wants to take a chunk out of my leg. Right. And, like, the best thing that could happen is, cool, I saw a shark. The worst thing that could happen is, like, bloody, terrible death. Yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah, bungee jumping is has its risks. Skydiving definitely has its risks. But I'm like, uh, I, I, I don't feel. I feel like you're asking for it if you get in the water with a deadly animal. That's just me. That's just me. I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm okay. with you. I, I couldn't see myself getting into that. And don't get me wrong. I would go bungee jumping too. I yeah, just feel like real. between those two, skydiving seems a lot more exciting. Okay. All right. Uh, next question: Coke, Pepsi, or other? Other. What are you drinking? Um, I mean, I, I drink a, a hell of a lot of coffee for starters. Uh, you're uh, one of those. But but uh, but uh, let me let me tell you this. I my diet is pretty garbage. Yes. I eat a lot of fried food. My favorite food is pizza. Okay, I'm that guy. But I am not obese. Yes. And I'm pretty sure one of the few reasons I am not obese is uh, I don't drink uh, soda. 
I never yeah. have. I've never like even as a kid, like I didn't really like the taste of it. Yeah. And I just never have really drank soda, and I think that's probably one of the only reasons that I am not enormous. It's it's kind of sad that like in hindsight, I'm not blaming any. I'm not blaming anyone. It is, but it is disturbing, like how explicitly it is it is marketed towards kids. And it's like I don't yeah. know about that. And, and I mean, we, we actually know now, and yeah. I don't want to get all like political again on people after all that. But we now know that like sugar sugar is incredibly addictive, right? Like yeah, sp- like for the processed sugar that is in soda um, and in candy is is just as addictive as as, as cocaine. Okay, like yeah, and 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 you know. It's, it's not going to be seen the same way, but I think we have to think about it in that way. It's, a, it's, it's basically an addictive drug yeah. um, that we are giving our kids en masse yeah. that we know has negative health effects. I mean, you're not going to overdose on it or anything, but you we get know diabetes. it can lead to obesity and diabetes and heart disease. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, only, the main difference between sugar and caffeine is that caffeine, it may, like, you know, make you poop a lot, but, you know... It, it won't. It won't like, and it might give you a heart attack eventually, or a brain aneurysm. But it won't. You know, you won't get fat. Right. I mean, if, if I mean, it's not good to be addicted to anything. Yeah. But if you have to be addicted to something, caffeine is probably by far the least bad thing to be addicted to. Yeah. I. Uh, I I'll. Uh, you know, on mornings when I'm feeling kind of sluggish, I'll. I might have a half a cup, and that's it for me of coffee. But I, I, I'm telling you, dude, I switched almost exclusively to black tea. I love English uh, breakfast tea. It's so much better to me. Like, I think it tastes so much better than coffee. I mean, it's definitely better for you. Yeah. But no, I, I'm, at, I'm, I'm on a good day. On a good day, I do two cups of coffee. On a bad day, it could get a lot worse. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I, do love, um, I do love espressos, though. That shit, I'm like, that. I feel like that's like Popeye spinach with me where I'm like, Oh man, I feel like I'm about to die. Let me have some espresso, and I'm like, I am the power. I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like five hour energy, but less yeah. sleazy. Uh, <laughs> it's five hour energy, but Italian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, okay, so so no soft drinks. I I, I always say my answer is Barks. I, I love Pepsi over Coke, but if you gave me a choice, I would probably go with Barks root beer. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's say you were working and you unexpectedly got the afternoon off for whatever reason. Your boss was like, "Hey, man, you can go to lunch and you don't have to come back from the office. We'll still pay you and all that stuff." What do you do? It's a great question. Um, and I actually have. I, I can do this. I can answer this question because it happened to me uh, the other day. Because yeah. so I, <laughs> I. It's not that I forgot it was Veterans Day. I knew that Saturday was Veterans Day, <laughs> but I didn't know. That, like, when Veterans Day is on a weekend, it gets observed on a weekday. Oh, yeah. I had Friday off and didn't know that till Wednesday. <laughs> um, I didn't know I had Friday off. I didn't know I had a three-day weekend till Wednesday. When people were like, what are you doing with the three-day weekend? And I was like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> um, so I didn't make any plans. And, and I mean, it's actually, I, I actually guess this doesn't help me answer the question because it ended up being gross outside and I ended up just staying in all day mostly yeah. reading. But um, normally, if it's a nice day out, I want to I wanna go outside. I want to toss a frisbee. I want to hit the mall, go for a run, you know, do something like that. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, sorry, the mall, the mall, like the national mall, yeah. like run around, not like the mall and go shopping. <laughs> Definitely not that. <laughs> Security calls, get nabbed you up. You're like, sir, there's no running in this mall. This is for shopping. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, so you live in D.C., as you said. Uh, what do you love the most about your town, and what do you hate the most about your town? The thing I like the most about D.C. is that, every, like, 
you're just surrounded by smart people and um, everyone is informed and everyone's kind of engaged and knows a lot about what's happening in the world and you just meet a lot of people who are doing really interesting if stuff. I may, if I may interject, I feel like that's a misrepresentation. You're surrounded by a lot of educated people. Smart? Eh, we'll see about that. Sure. But, uh, that that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But you meet, you meet a lot of people who like are really engaged and kind yeah. of a lot okay. of the most complicated okay. issues about the world. And I like that. I like being around people like that. I like talking to people like that. Downside, I think that it's the flip side of the same coin, is that there are a lot of people who think they're a lot more important than they actually are. Yeah. Um, almost everyone in this city thinks they're a lot more important than they actually are. Um, and that kind of everyone is a little bit more than willing to like represent themselves as a big deal when they're not and that annoys me and bothers <laughs> me and i try to stay away from those kinds of people but i i, I don't uh, you know it's it's no new orleans it's nothing like new orleans but i do like i do like kind of the vibe of of it being a place where things are happening and it, it just always has the feel of a place where like there's a lot of energy and excitement about tilting at windmills and trying to come up with solutions to some of the most complicated problems we have even if it's fruitless i i get that like i would love to be in that situation i would love to live in dc if it wasn't for all the politics like i'm like i don't want to be around that i want the choice of but the politics kind of comes with it right? yeah, exactly like, so it's like you can't it's yeah, it one comes with the other really separate those. yeah exactly so it's like i would love to live in dc but i want the option of being able to get as far away from like a political like like it, it being the atmosphere, like I want to get away from that. So that's probably why I'd, do, I'd serve better in a Chicago, New York, or Boston, or something like that instead of DC. And DC, yeah. DC seems way too cramped. Like I'm like, this is, this is. There are more people. I, this stat always blows my mind. There are more people in DC than there are four whole states in this country. Like it's like that. That yeah. is ridiculous to me. Like I'm like, how yeah. is that even a thing? Like. Yeah. And, and y'all aren't, how big are y'all? Like, what? Like, freaking uh, 15 square miles? Some, some ridiculous uh, thing? I think it's more than that. I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know exactly. It but feels it's, small. Mean, it, it does feel small. And, and it's also that, like, D.C. Uh, has rules about how tall buildings can be. Yeah. So, like, it's not New York where Manhattan is tiny, but you have, you know, 80-story buildings all over the place. D.C. doesn't have that. Uh, so it's oh, I was way more off. crap in that sense. <laughs> I was way off. Y'all are 68 square miles. <laughs> yeah. There's also a huge park in the middle. That probably, yeah. Rock Creek Park's probably like 20% of that. Maybe. Oh, actually, I, I meant to tell you, I'm going to be in Alexandria uh, middle of next month. Dude, hit me up. Yeah, I was going yeah, to, I was going right to, I forgot. Across the river. I was, uh, I was going to, I'm going up there for some training. I don't know what my schedule is going to be exactly quite yet, but uh, I meant to tell you, I'm going to be in Alexandria next month. And, uh, well, if you, if you have a minute to grab lunch or, or a beer or something, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't know where I'm staying. I don't really know the ins and outs of it, but it's going to be the 18th and 19th. So if you're, cool. uh, I don't know if you were going to be in town for, oh, I guess you, you don't go home for Hanukkah, huh? No, Hanukkah's not like a... Yeah. I think that because Hanukkah is like close to Christmas, people think it's like the most important Jewish holiday. It's yeah. actually like a really unimportant Jewish holiday. It just takes on a lot of cultural importance yeah. because it's right next to Christmas. I, I uh, But I, I'll see you next... I'll see you in Thanksgiving, though, because I'll be in town. I'll be in New Orleans, and I imagine... Oh, you'll be in New Orleans be... for Thanksgiving. That's great. I will be there as well. I don't have a choice. I have... I I have to be in New Orleans for Thanksgiving. I I was told you don't have to come, but it was more of like, oh, you you don't have to come. Wink, wink. Like you you, you I, I have to I have to go to I have right, to go home. Right. 
Uh, I, I, I have a mother too. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, dynamic. and I do. I, it is my opportunity. I'm going to be there for the entire weekends, like from weekend uh-huh. to weekend. So it's good oh, to wow, see okay. people. Uh, but okay. So next question: Have you ever used a pickup line, and/or has one ever been used on you? I don't think I've ever seriously used a pickup <laughs> line. Like I've jokingly used pickup lines, like with the intention of like getting slapped in the face as a joke Tongue rather cheek, than yeah. with the intention as actually it working <laughs> well has uh, one ever been used on you uh, <laughs> I, not it's not a pickup line per se but one of the weirdest like interactions with a woman that i've ever had in that kind of situation was like it was in college or uh, some like she was in town to visit one of my friends and she just, like, was fascinated with the fact that I spoke Hebrew and, like, <laughs> kept, like, asking me to, like, say, oh, say this in Hebrew, say that in Hebrew. And she was, like, turned on by it, and it was weird. Um, and I, I won't go into any more detail about what happened, but just suffice it to say that, um, you know, it, uh, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I knew Hebrew. <laughs> Uh, it's like uh, a fish called Wanda. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but uh, I have not. Uh, Jamie not. Lee Curtis is in it, and she is turned on. Uh, uh, Kevin Klein gets her turned on by speaking French, and then John Cleese gets her turned on by speaking Russian. So, uh, yeah, so it's a good movie. You should check it out. It's hilarious. <laughs> Kevin Klein is fucking hilarious in that movie. Uh, anyway, okay, last question, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Oh yeah, we're pushing a half hour and a half. Do you have a dream vacation, like unlimited budget, unlimited time? What would you do? You know, I, I have always been taken by those commercials of, like, Caribbean islands, of, like, people sitting on the beach, and the sea is blue as fuck. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a specific place, but I've never really been to, like, the Caribbean or anything like that. Yeah. I definitely would, like... It just seems like a really beautiful, chill place to be, and whether it's like a cruise or whatever, it's something I, I would like to do if I can ever afford that shit. So yeah, that's I am, on my list. I actually, that's a very, it's a very common answer to this question that I've been getting. Like people are all yeah. about beaches and like tropical and like I, that stuff really. I mean, I don't hate it, but I that's not my that's not my go to. But like, and uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you one more actually yeah. because I've had a lot of friends who've done this the last couple of years that I really loved it is uh, like Vietnam, South Korea. Oh no. no, no, yeah, I've had a lot of people who've done that and really enjoyed it, so I'd like to go there too. I, no, what? No, that sounds awful. Yeah. That sounds you know, awful. You know that when you go to Vietnam, you don't have to like fight in the war anymore. You know that's over, right? <laughs> it's a it, yeah. That's what they all say, and then they don't come, and then they come back missing a leg. They're not getting me, all right. <laughs> Those damn, those damn fascists. No, but you that, might be the only person I know who has like an older soul than I do. No, <laughs> thank you. I guess I just have no desire. Like I don't, I'm not. Look, I know that like Vietnam. You know, it's it's a legit country. It's got metropolitan areas, but like as far as like, yeah, I would go to the metropolitan area, but also I wouldn't want to be on a plane for that long. And also. Yeah. This is on me. This is not the fault of Vietnam or any other country or any place. I really want to go to a country where English is or a romantic language is the dominant language. Like where I'm like, I have so, some so kind of your, understanding. Where do you want to go? Uh, honestly, uh, the UK. Because really? I've always, uh, if if you made me be more specific, I'd I'd probably want to go tour Ireland because I've always wanted to go. That's where my family's come from, uh, yeah. way way back. Um, 
Honestly, I really want to go to San Fran. I've never been to San Francisco. I, I, I like cities, man. I want to go visit cities. Like, I'm like... Yeah. I, I, in Tokyo. I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. Like, other than that, though, maybe Toronto. Like, out Canada would be yeah. cool. Uh, but as far as beaches and tropical stuff and, like, foreign countries, like, I... So I work for a travel agency, and my coworker, she's like, you should go to, like... You should go to, like, Thailand. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. I don't want to ever do that. That sounds awful. <laughs> Yeah. And like Hawaii, I have no real interest in Hawaii. I would go to Australia or New Zealand, but at the same thing, I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't like being on planes. Planes are uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't find traveling rewarding. Like, I'm like, I, I read an article recently that a bunch of like uber rich people are buying up land in New Zealand in yeah. case there's like a nuclear Armageddon. Is that the spot to go to? I guess. I would think that North Korea could hit New Zealand if they wanted to, but hey. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I think nuclear winter, like, covers the entire planet, right? Yeah, I guess you gotta find, like, the remote place, the remotest place you can. Pretty soon they'll all be able to go to Mars, and they'll be fine there anyway. Yeah, well, they enjoy yeah. those red rocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy note of nuclear holocaust. <laughs> uh, <laughs> write this down. M-A-R-S, Mars, bitches. Uh... Anyway, anyway, anyway. All right. This is going to do it for us today. Joe, always a pleasure. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for doing this, man. I really appreciate your insight as always. And um, let's go Irish and let's go Saints. (laughs) Yeah, the game's coming up soon, so I will uh, let you go so you can watch that. All right, my brother. I'll talk to you later. Have fun, all right? All right. Have a good one, man. All right, bye. Thank you.